ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel, Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to the Sox on Tap postgame show, a winning edition. I'm Johnny Nani, Tony Marchese alongside me tonight. Tony, how's your heart rate after that one? Johnny, it's jacked. I'm jacked. That was a great ball game. Uh, just, you know, happy to be on the show here. Victory beers. Cheers. Victory beers. You got your bush light. I got the Budweiser out. It's a great night to talk White Sox baseball. Um, I, it's, they taste better after a win, man. I will crack into that, Tony, because they absolutely do taste better after a win. We were having some misery beers on the Sunday Funday show yesterday. Um, luckily, that's turned around here. Victory beers tonight. Love to see them flowing. Um, they, like you said, they just taste so much better. And uh, this is important, Tony, because the White Sox needed to hashtag set the tone for the week. Um, it was a little bit roundabout fashion, I think more so than we liked or expected after the early part of the game. But a win's a win nonetheless at the end of the day. You got in the right column. You did. Uh, you got in the right column. You had, uh, you know, an addition to your starting rotation that we're going to get into here. Come up and win you a ball game today. Uh, you know, lots of up and downs through this one. It was, as you have titled this episode, uh, a little bit dramatic. A flair for the dramatic was had tonight. But, you know, overall, I think the first thing that I just want to say is good teams find win ways to win ball games like this. There was some adversity. They overcame it. It was a good night to watch White Sox baseball. And as Steve says, you got to take care of business in the Central Division. I was a little bit worried after what we saw through the weekend. It's nice to set the tone the right way. Game one here, Johnny. Let's let's get into it, man. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. When you talk about that, it's just something that we had discussed uh, during the Sunday Funday portion. We were talking about the upcoming schedule and looking at what's going here, especially going to New York this weekend. So uh, it would be demoralizing if you lost that, especially coming off of the uh, one and three weekend that you did have against the Yankees back at home. So this game itself, like White Sox win five to three in ten innings. How we got there, Tony? It started with Johnny Cueto. First impressions of him in a White Sox uniform. Uh, you know, first impressions. <laughs> wow. Uh, throwing strikes. Uh, big thing. Low pitch counts through four or five innings. Who thought that that could happen this year? Um, it, it, it was just such a breath of fresh air um, to see a starter take care of business the way that starters are supposed to take care of business. I'm not saying that we haven't had good starts from the Chicago White Sox starting rotation this season, but it's nice to see that coming in. I don't know what you would consider Johnny Cueto at this point. I look at him as kind of your five guy at this point, because you don't know what you were going to get from Johnny Cueto when he eventually made it up to the big leagues. Um, but at, at this point, you're looking at this and you're like, money in the pocket, man. I, I am loving what I'm seeing from him. I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit more about what you saw on the actual mound. I'm thinking, you know, first impressions and result. 
he got the job done today. Obviously, there was some some late inning stuff that happened, but I was really impressed with this start. I don't know. I wish he's been in this rotation this entire time so far this year. I know he was working back from some stuff late signing, but holy shit, dude, I, I was impressed. The shimmy, Tony, I got to start right there. The shimmy is cool and tough. We've seen all the gifts, the videos from his years past. Uh, obviously, spent a decent chunk of time with the Giants before that, the Royals before that, the Reds. Um, he's done it all over wherever he's been, and it throws hitters off, which is just a new wrinkle that you have to get used to. And it's hard to, and you saw that in the results in how many, uh, you know, he's not pumping gas. What, I think he, they said he topped out in like his fastest pitches were coming just under 93 miles an hour, but it's that deception. It's yes. that timing change. It's that when is he going to go on a quick step? When is he going to go and raise up with the leg and move the shoulders a little bit and like keep you waiting for, you know, five seconds before he actually delivers the ball. Uh, Tony, that is, it's, I like someone that's unique and you can like point that kind of stuff out because a, it makes for a great visual while you're watching the game. And then B you see it effective in the results. Yeah. And Johnny, this is the kind of guy that you love to have on your team. And if your opponent, you, you hate this. Like if, if Johnny Cueto was, God forbid, on any of the other AL Central Division teams and we had to face this guy all the time, I would be annoyed watching as the opposing fan. I would be annoyed being in the opposing dugout. I would be annoyed being in the opposing lineup, having to deal with somebody who's a master at deception. I think that that's one of the coolest and toughest things about baseball. I love the the oddities that you can have throughout there. Joe Kelly's got a little bit of that as well. The gamesmanship, he, yeah. Yeah, the gamesmanship and just – how you win ball games, stuff like that does. It goes out there, it sets the tone. It matters. That's what you, it, it matters in this game. It, a lot of this, a lot of this is mental. And when you have the ability to throw people off, just with your motion and your windup, and all, I feel like a lot of that stuff's been lost in baseball, especially over the past few years. Everybody wants to, you know, all the the batting stances are all the same now. The, the the windups, a lot of guys are working out of the stretch. The, it, it, there's no flair. There's no individuality in it, and there's there, it, it's lost some of the gamesmanship. You see a guy like Johnny Quaid come out here, do that. It warms my heart as a baseball fan, Johnny. It, it, it's a little bit like art, Tony. I yes. Think. And it's, uh, yeah, the, the modern art versus the classic, you know, like yes. whatever, however you want to compare that there. But uh, let's talk Johnny Cueto numbers-wise here tonight. Tony, six innings pitch, two hits, no runs. Uh, two walks, seven strikeouts. And like I said, that was not due to overpowering stuff in terms of blowing guys away. It was due to the deception, and it was due to some lethal spin that he has on that ball, Tony. We had talked about pitches that we really like, and I still stand by the curveball. The the 12-6er is mine. I know you like a high heat, a fastball that's really pumping. But how about a two-seamer that has the tail on it like Johnny Cueto's does? I, I love the two seam fastball. Never never really threw one back in my day just because I couldn't get that that tailspin down, Johnny. But you know, I, I love guys that can go and use that effectively. I think it's a great pitch. Um it, and you know, guys that can get some movement and some ride on a on a fastball nice in like that. It's gonna if that's on, it's gonna be a long day for the opposing lineup. And as you saw today, Johnny, um he had his stuff working. So 
that look at the tail of the tape. Yeah, shows yeah you everything. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, when you go out in there, you don't give up any runs. That's uh, pretty damn uh, solid. That, that's what you want out of your starter every time. And him being able to go six is also huge because we have four more games here in Kansas City with no off day before traveling out to the Bronx. So I think that uh, can't be understated the length that you got from him uh, as well. And uh, I think, you know, some of the uh, clutch situations, Tony, uh, with Johnny Cueto um, in that sixth inning, that's where he kind of started to, you could tell it, it was slipping a little bit from him uh, in terms of, you know, the kind of the more pinpoint accuracy that he had in the earlier innings. It was starting to slip there. Uh, Isbal has a uh, one out double Merrifield walks. So he's in a little bit of a jam there, like the first time all night felt like. And uh, then he gets Benintendi to fly out. And then how about Kane up Salvi Perez? Um, that is a cool and tough way to end your outing. Absolutely is a cool and tough way to end your outing. I mean, he attacked uh, Royals hitters all night and, and, and just put, put balls in the strike zone. Um, and that's what you have to do uh, if you want to have a successful outing on the mound. And, you know, just ending it with the Salvi strikeout. You bring you bring that up. It's it's nice to see the opposing team's best hitter in their lineup, uh, a guy that you know just can do a lot of damage. Go down there. Uh, it, it was a perfect way to end his first start in a White Sox uniform. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. I think it will close the book on Johnny Cueto there. Um, plenty more to discuss from this game, Tony. Let's talk White Sox getting on the board first. Uh, a little small ball. Hey, Adam Engel, uh, hustle double is a little bloop to uh, uh, center field. Uh, how about a Kansas City special in Kansas City? Uh, I'll take it when we can get him. But Adam Engel, obviously, very fast human being. Uh, but he was hustling out of the box, moving around first base. And throw wasn't even close. Uh, when you get into second base there, that's nice to start it off. And then uh, Andrew Vaughn sitting in the nine hole, interestingly, today. But sack fly, uh, that's manufacturing a run that gets the White Sox on the board here, Tony. Uh, thoughts on, uh, I know you probably want to chime in on that Vaughn stuff there too, but a little Adam Engel appreciation, I think, is in order as well. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Adam Engel uh, yesterday on the show. I, I brought up the automatic outs at the end of your order. Um, and, and Adam Engel, and that's not quite an automatic out guy, um, but he, he might not be the sexiest bat in your lineup, but Adam Engel does get the job done from time to time in some really key spots. Uh, you know, he's got the, the, everybody wants to talk about his defense, but, you know, maybe he is a guy that should get a little bit more playing time in the outfields. I know Steve's got an article out over at on yeah. talking about, you know, getting guys in happy to see him in the lineup today. Uh, and you know, Adam Engel, man, there, there, there isn't enough appreciation for that guy. He was a guy that when he started up in the big leagues with the white Sox, was a little iffy on thought he was, you know, your ninth inning defensive replacement type guy getting a job, job done with the bat here in KC tonight. Him. You you love to see it, Johnny. You just love to see it. Yes, Tony, with the legs as well. I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the stolen base and the perfect read at that. No throw even went down to third base. Um, granted, Selvi Perez is not a good defensive catcher. So that just stating that as facts only because that's the truth. But either way, Adam Engel uh, got the jump on Keller from the start and stole third base with ease. Um, so that was nice to see, too. And obviously the hustle to get to second base in the first place uh, on the blue. Uh, out to center field. So nice to see White Sox get on the board early. Hashtag set the set the tone stuff right there. Uh, they'd be right back at it in the top of the fourth, Tony. Uh, Luis Robert leads off infield single. And when I say infield there, he 
friggin' smoked that ball. It was just right back at Keller, and that's deflecting off uh, in, towards middle infielders. Not a chance with uh, Robert Speed. And then uh, Yasmani Grandal comes up a couple batters later, and boom, he's alive, Tony. Yasmani Grandal is alive, hashtag confirmed. Two-run shot out to right field, and it was a friggin' laser beam. Yeah, Johnny, uh, you need guys like Yasmani Grandal in your lineup playing catcher. We talked about this going back to that same stuff. I do want to circle back on, on the, uh, the, the batting order, Andrew Vaughn stuff in a minute, but man, if you can get Yaz's bat hot, this lineup looks a lot better because he is so dangerous in the middle of that order. And, and again, we talk about guys protecting guys through the order. Uh, we're going to get to a spot on the show tonight where we're talking about a very interesting decision to pitch to certain guys, you need Yasmani Grandal to be in the middle of that lineup as a guy that your opponent doesn't want to pitch to. And when he, when you see him start hitting bombs, going deep, you know that bat's getting hot, Johnny. Um, love seeing Yaz and the bat drop. Let's just for a second, yes. the bat drop. It's been too Let's long. Let's talk about it. Let's get happy about it. The bat drop. Let's yeah. go. Give me oh, your it's, thoughts. It's, Tony, it's back. It's hashtag back. Uh, obviously, we need to see some more consistently because just one ain't going to get the job done. And he's got to make up for some, I think, uh, for that whole uh, he's slump. He's got debts to pay. Slump period. Exactly. He's got debts to pay here. But uh, this is the first time we have seen it since. April 9th, which was the second game of the year, if you remember, that one in Detroit. And at that point, we were feeling, oh, if Yaz is getting going early, this is mm -hmm. different than last year. Well, we had, you know, like you said, the, the slump, and now he's got debts to pay. At least he's starting to do it. I think uh, maybe the Sunday Funday commentary, uh, really digging in on him and Jose Abreu, may have done a little motivation here, Tony. Yeah, might have. It's only crazy if it doesn't work, Johnny. And, you know, we had some some thoughts on how to get, get things done. See how the boys respond. And, and you know, just early evaluations, the early returns on the ridiculous things that the Sox on Tap crew uh, came up with on the last show to uh, suggest, you know, how to get these guys out of the slumps uh, seemed to pay off today. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts there? I wanted to get into another guy here because obviously we're talking about Yaz uh, because he obviously um, lit it up with that home run. But another guy who we had criticized heavily on the Sunday Funday episode, Tony, was Jose Breu. And he has been the subject of much criticism all throughout the fan base. And I think he's probably putting some pressure on himself, on himself as well. Now, granted, it didn't result in a home run or anything like that today, but he walked twice, which is something that I had been all of us were clamoring for please we need some plate discipline here guess what he walked twice tonight and he also had a hit as well so um props are in order for him as well yeah you like to see him get going a little bit here and if it, if it takes a couple of walks i mean this team has not walked enough jose bray is a guy who should be walking a lot um especially in the middle of the year again guys that yeah. teams shouldn't want to pitch to uh, and, and Jose Abreu uh, and, starting to get on base a little bit more. Uh, that gets you active. It gets you in the game. You talk about hitting is contagious. Um, it's contagious for the individual as well. When you're, when you're feeling it at the plate, you're seeing the ball well, I think you walk a little bit more because you, you know what's in the zone. You know you're not supposed to be swinging at that junk. Yeah. And, you know, when it's over the plate and you can put a, put a good swing on it, you're going to start to find find those holes when you when you start that that whole contagious uh, motivation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the, the the trends start to come out, 
And I'm not near ready to say that Jose Abreu is out of this slump, Johnny, by he's, any stretch yeah, of the he's imagination. Not fully he's got back, but he took. He's got step, some, right? He's he's got more debts to pay in my mind than Yasmani Grandal does right now. So it's yeah. nice to see. You know, you're only as good as your last envelope, Johnny. Yeah. He's he he just delivered an envelope tonight. Let's see what he comes back with tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a step. We can talk about steps in the right direction. I think for both of them, that's encouraging to see, especially after the abysmal uh, low run output that we have seen uh, in trends over the past you know, couple of weeks, even when they were winning, right? They weren't scoring all that many runs, and it was some of those same culprits that were not hot, uh, and it took a few you know, timely hits and some uh, more lockdown pitching to really get those uh, wins when they were on the previous road trip uh, last time they'd ventured away from Chicago. So, um Tony, as we're moving on here, uh, we talked about some good here in terms of Johnny Cueto and the White Sox getting on the board early. Felt like we were going to cruise for a little bit in this one uh, because Matt Foster comes in, works a one, two, three inning. That guy uh, has been solid overall this year. But then eighth inning guy that I would want out there, Kendall Graveman, he gets touched up a little bit and this thing gets dicey. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on with Kendall Graveman right now, Johnny. The last couple of outings. Um, and, and some days of where he was unavailable. It makes you start to wonder here uh, if uh, maybe we're not fully healthy or you're going through a dead arm period. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Kendall Graveman uh, just overall, but um, you know, I think a little bit of this is just, you know, another one of those, that's so white Sox things when yes. you kind of chalk it up to it. Um, it it's never going to be easy. My messaging here is, you know, for as frustrating as it is, there's that's baseball. You have to battle through it. You have to get through those downs, and you have to come back and find ways to win ball games. Guys are going to get touched up. The opponent's going to have, uh, you know, guys who are feeling it themselves at the plate, and you know, the mental lapses, whatever. It's 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 that's just another one of those. That's so White Sox innings, and it's about the response. It's about how you come back and how you battle back from that. Not only individually in your next outing, but how the team as a whole responds to an inning like that. You don't like to see this as a White Sox fan. I want Kendall Graveman to come out there and have a one, two, three inning every single fucking time he comes out of the ball. All my relievers. Too. Yes. I want all my relievers to that. It, that's just not the reality of yeah. life. Sometimes it's not going to go your way in, uh, on a single night. And, you know, let, let's see how he comes back. And I'm sure we're going to see him again in this KC series. Uh, yeah, unless, we, you know, something unforeseen happens, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see him again. And then we'll, we'll see what we get out of him. Right, and I think we'll get a more statistical, maybe a uh, visual breakdown from NWI Steve. He'll be on uh, the next couple of nights doing some live from KC reporting, by the way. Um, so it's nice to have some boots We've got a man around. there. We got a man there. We got a man there down in KC, in, excuse me, in BBQ City, as uh, Steve would call it. But I... Uh, He'll give that. I need to go on the overall trend uh, term that you used that I love is hashtag that. So White Sox. And this is just the way it is, folks. This is what we're born into. You're born into this shit. You are what you are. And we are White Sox fans. We have to suffer through this. Guess what? Liam Hendricks had had a stretch where he looked like he had figured it out. So guess what? The next arm in the bullpen's got to give. Someone's got to give you the heart attack. Someone's got to give you the headaches. Um, And obviously, Aaron Bummer is on the injured list right now. Uh, He had been giving plenty before uh, he had went on. Um, There have been other guys throughout the year at certain times. Uh, Unfortunately, it's Kendall Graveman's turn uh, to be the heart attack. That's a White Sox guy out of the bullpen. 
Yeah, I mean it 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 rotates through. Um, you know, for <laughs> Ryan Burr is gonna have his ups and downs. Um, you know, it, it, Garrett Crochet's been a guy that gives you heart attacks before. I know I, I he's obviously another one who's injured. Um, Jose Ruiz for large stretches of his White Sox tenure has been that guy. It, it's going to happen. There's going to be times where a pitcher, just like a hitter, is going to go through some of those stretches where the arm doesn't feel as as crisp. Um, the pitches aren't in the zone uh, where you want the locations off, the arm slots off. Something's just not right with the with the guy mentally. Maybe he's having a bad day, um, comes out there and pitches, and, and things don't go your way. But overall, I'm not worried about Kendall Graveman by any stretch of the imagination here, Johnny. I think he'll be just fine. Right. I am with you in that camp, too, because we saw um, what his level of effectiveness can be earlier in the season. So, Tony, after that, uh, those hiccups there in the eighth inning, that makes it a tie ball game. Three, three now. And we're going to extras. We're going to extras. And top of the 10th, looks like the White Sox aren't going to score because Josh Harrison comes in to pinch run for Vaughn. He's on second. Anderson grounds out to the third baseman. Nice play by Bobby Witt Jr. Credit where it's due. And then Moncada strikes out. And you're thinking, damn, this get, you know, he's uh, he's mowing us down here a little bit. Are we even going to advance the runner? Like, is that that's hasn't even happened yet? Well, guess what? La Pantera steps up to the plate. Two-run jack out to left field. This proved to be the game-winning hit, Tony. I, you know I love that. And deserving of an R roll, it was Luis Robert. Yes, there we go. There we go. I love it. I love the R rolls. I know Steve was rolling the R probably loud down there. Yeah, Buzz said he chipped a tooth so. in BBQ City. We're gonna have to check on Buzz if you if if you if you actually did chip a tooth. That's that's not good. But um, the same same note though. I mean, if if you're gonna chip a tooth, it better be on a La Pantera Luis Robert R roll from our guy Buzz. We'll we'll check on him. We can see if we can get him to a dentist or something, fix that up so he can roll those R's uh, again when Luis continues this hot streak. I mean, Johnny, uh, this is something that was talked about on the NBC postgame show after this. It was uh, going back and forth on Twitter. I know I asked the guys in our, in our chat as well. If you're Kansas City, are you pitching to Luis in that situation with Jose Abreu behind him? Uh, knowing our trends, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and that's that's what's interesting to me now. I don't know if Casey's advanced scouting on the White Sox has really followed what Luis Roberts been doing. This is a guy who's on the longest hitting streak of his career. Obviously, did some damage earlier in this ball game. He is an absolute fucking hit machine right now, and he just shows no signs of slowing down. Uh. I, one thing I, I said uh, during this, when, when you see this happen and I talk about response, the White Sox have needed their superstars to show up. It's something that we talked about on the show yesterday. It's something that Luis Robert did uh, on Saturday night against the New York Yankees. It's something that you saw from him again today in those spots. Those are the exact moments that, you have to, as a White Sox fan, for, for all the that's so White Sox stuff that we were just talking about, when Luis Robert drills that pitch into the Kansas City night and the Sox take the lead there, that is crack a beer, victory beer, like game ball, like whatever it is that you do to just appreciate that a White Sox star player stepped up in a big moment 
I can't express how much that brings me joy, Johnny, as a White Sox fan, seeing that happen right there in that situation, especially with the lead up to it. You you have Tim Anderson, the guy who's supposed to set the tone, the straw that stirs the drink. Get out, not advance the runner. You see Yoan Moncada. He was going through a little bit of a rough day at the plate today. I think he finished 0 for 5. The feel, the momentum, that is a momentum-changing moment in this ballgame, the biggest moment in this ballgame, and it came off the bat of your fucking superstar, Luis Robert. That is what you like to see. That is how you win ball games. Stars show up. If that's at home, the yeah. fireworks are going off, and it is fucking loud at the rate. You want to see Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Mancada, Anderson in those spots step up. Look, he saw his, his first two guys right before him not get the job done. He got the job done. Pick each other up. That's what it's all about. I fucking love watching that. Yeah, it makes me happy. It makes me very happy, Tony. And for like all those reasons that you had just said, I don't need to rehash it. But I think the general theme of that is big time players make big time plays in big time situations. Yep. That's 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 what I have to leave it at because I think you described it all perfectly. Yes, uh, elation, joy, but it wasn't done there. We needed to obviously Kansas City starting with a runner on second in the extra inning, uh, their half there being the home team. Um, William Hendricks comes in out of the bullpen and Tony. Absolute domination. This was that stretch of what we saw with that when he closed down, was it four ball games all in a row uh, when he was looking like he was on. I am very, very, very impressed with the location and the bite on his breaking stuff right now. He is really harnessing that, and that makes him, that's what you're expecting when you're talking reliever of the year quality, uh, Liam Hendricks right there. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just, just like we said with, uh, you know, some of these other guys are going to go through stretches. We're going to ride them the, 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 again, going back to, you know, your envelopes, man, Liam Hendricks was returning some shitty envelopes uh, for a while. Then he, then he was returning some good ones. Now he's back, you know, uh, kind of middle ground. Here we go with the Liam Hendricks. If this is another trajectory of up, because you know, the market is always fluid uh, with baseball players if we are on the upswing with Liam Hendricks closing down ball games again, talked a little bit about this earlier in the show. Sox have a lot of games. They got more games in less days over this next little stretch here. So you're going to need Liam Hendricks to be on. It's a very encouraging sign for this White Sox bullpen if he is. Yes, it absolutely is. And I'd be remiss, Tony, if I did not give some props to Ryan Burr because I've had my just sort of internal doubts you've been riding on him for a while it's like that it's like that that's so white Sox thing a little bit though because you just feel like that's where the love is going to break right yeah but you know but but prior to the injury prior to the injury do you remember uh what was this oh yeah 20 you know there 20 yeah i think it was 2020 or maybe it was last year 2019 because he was 2020 yeah yeah he, he had tweeted that thing about being the guy to look out for he's had the stuff ryan burr's had the stuff it's just, you know, he's had his struggles getting, you know, into uh, uh, a yeah. solid role in the bullpen. But again, you go look at a guy like Matt Foster and you could say the same thing. There's ups, there's downs. But, you know, I think he did a fucking excellent job coming yeah, in he, here in, talk, in that ninth inning. Talk about one, two, three innings here. Obviously, uh, Hendricks had the one Foster's kicked it off going uh, in after Cueto. Graveman was the uh, lapse there tonight, as we talked about earlier. But then Ryan Burr, that's big. Um, it, it got a strikeout, a flyout, and a lineout. So, um, definitely help from defense there too. And I think that's something that should not be glossed over here. Uh, 
clean ball game. I think there was only one thing that you could really actually, excuse me. There are a couple of things uh, that we could do on defense there, but when it came time for those ones, uh, balls hit Adam uh, to make a play, Adam angle jumping into a wall at one point uh, to make a catch on a foul ball down the line. That was nice to see, but uh, Tony, it, we, it's not all sunshine and roses all the time. We're going to enjoy the outcome here. We're going to enjoy our victory beers, but I do just have a couple of bones to pick. Um, and that's a, the lineup of Andrew. I'm going to give my thoughts here. Andrew Vaughn should not be batting ninth. That's ludicrous. That's a bad decision by Tony LaRussa. Um, I don't understand the second leadoff hitter thing. Uh, this isn't the NL anymore where pitchers bat and you put a position player below uh, the pitcher and the pitcher at eighth. This is, this is not the same. I'm sorry, Tony. That, that's it. Uh, my thoughts on that. And then also should have been Vaughn should have been taken out earlier too. Uh, so you avoid that eighth inning defensive liability because he bought sure. I know he has missed the ball at the plate on the throw home. So he, yes, he has deserved some criticism when I'm talking defense here too, but um, Andrew Vaughn fumbled around with it in the corner and I get it. It's hitting off the wall. It's kind of odd with how far you are away from the wall, but you got to think a true outfielder would make that play clean more cleanly. And then if that ballsy send goes through like it would uh, from the Royals third base coach, you absolutely nail them at home and have plenty of time. So he has is making a quick, um, I think that that was kind of his problem. He's trying to pull it before he really caught it. Um, so I did need to just uh, harp on those a little bit. I know you wanted to touch on Andrew Vaughn uh, lineup position here. So let's go ahead and talk this one out. Absolutely, Johnny. Uh, you know, I, I can I can understand where people come from when they say I, it, Andrew Vaughn shouldn't be hitting ninth. And, you know, as a as somebody who's had some light experience coaching youth baseball, so that, that nowhere near major league level, Johnny, uh, but just, you know, getting in the head of a manager here for a second, I, I've always been kind of a fan of the second leadoff hitter kind of guy. I think it's kind of lost art, and that's where people get really upset with LaRusa because you have a perfect one in Adam Engel to do, though. I think you do have a perfect one in Adam Engel, and I would, I would absolutely rather see Adam Engel in the ninth spot, probably, you know, uh, on a more nightly basis, if, if we're being honest. I don't know if. You know, I've seen Harrison float around down there, Larry Garcia. But you know what? In in the grand scheme of things, I, I do understand that there's some schools of, of baseball thought where your lineup really doesn't fucking matter after the first time through. There's other schools of thought getting, that tell you getting your that, best hitters more at bats. That getting your best hitters more at bats is is where that lines up. But you know what? In the game of baseball at certain points in time, it's about where guys are going to wind up in certain spots. And, you know, you just can't predict that, though, whereas you can predict that this guy at the top will get more at bats than the guy batting last. That's yeah, that's 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 thing. Yeah, that's true. I, but I could sit there and say that, you know, just just because you line up, you know, your players based on, you know, who's going to get the most. stats doesn't mean that that's where they're going to perform or where you're going to have the opportunity right. to do that throughout the game anyway. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that there's a lot of people who get hung up on this and they want a bone to pick. I say go ahead, pick every bone that you want to because there's not a single human on this fucking earth that's going to do the same thing the same way as everybody else is anyway. So you're entitled to your own opinion. Go ahead, have it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. If, you, if the guy doesn't get the job done or if batting Andrew Vaughn ninth cost the White Sox today's game, by all means, go ahead and bitch about it. But at the end of the result of this, you know, Vaughn was in some spots where that was rough. I'm looking at this. The one thing that I can say is if I'm, you know, the manager of, of the Kansas City Royals and I've got, you know, if I've got to deal with Andrew Vaughn, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, uh, 
Yoan Mancata, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal all bunched in together, which you can make the argument, yes, yeah, Lottie Andrew Vaughn in there in one of those spots as well. I'm not immune to that. As I, I said it myself, I don't think Andrew Vaughn's a nine hitter in, in a lineup. But in the grand scheme of things, you're out here to win baseball games. If if the lineup looks a little funky one day, I mean, we're talking about a guy that batted Lurie Garcia, I believe, third in the order uh, here at one point during the season. And that was things egregious are, as well. <laughs> things are going to happen. You know, I go back and, and compare the my my biggest comparison point, and I know this is cross sports, but you're a hockey guy. You like your game-winning hit. I go back and I look at some of the things that Joe Quenville did with the line blender that were funky and it, it, a lot of it's mental stuff. And like, where do you want guys? And, you know, it, to me, again, I, I, I go back and I rest on this guy has won a lot more baseball games than I ever fucking had. I'm not saying that I'm not going to criticize him. I'm not saying that I'm not going to, uh, you know, have problems or issues with things that he does. I'm going to have issues with any, anything that any manager is ever going to do because I would do it differently myself. But for all intents and purposes here, you know, I, I do kind of lean towards why is Andrew Vaughn batting ninth, but he gave, he gave a reasoning. And I think if somebody gives a reasoning for what they're doing and, you know, whether or not you agree with it, if he's got sound reasoning behind it, I'm not really going to question that process all too much. Um, if that's the way that he feels is the best way to put this team in a position to win. Now, like I said, again, if, if it doesn't and it severely costs them a ball game, then yeah, maybe let's take a look and examine it a little bit more. I don't think it was as, as egregious yeah, as I'd, some people wanted to make it out I, to be I would on, just, online today. I would prefer to not see it again based on, um, you know, number, especially with the strike. There's, it's one thing. It's like, this team is going on an absolute heater and it's like, it's like a decision of like, okay, Yaz is hitting, Abreu's hitting, Roberts, everybody's hitting. The, the whole squad's hitting Tony. Yeah, I know. Then it's, I, then, it, then it's like it's like a good problem they have, and it's like oh, like you know, like whatever, like whoever. No, doesn't matter where they're going to be; they're going to hit then. But with where this team was in an offensive funk, I think that is what brought about uh, some of this too. Especially when you needed you needed the jolt, right? With yeah, and what's what's really crazy is like I did this in a ball game the other day, managing my ten year old team. Is I, I I looked at my lineup. I'm trying to construct it. I literally took not my best hitter, not my second best hitter, not my third best hitter, but a kid who hits the ball pretty well. And I tried to balance my lineup a little bit out, put some other kids up a little bit more in the lineup. I actually took one of the, one of the kids who hadn't hit the ball all year, batted him first just to try and maneuver things around, end up winning that ball game. Cause that kid leads off, gets a hit. And we got into a spot in that ball game where the same thing happened. I was in my bottom three guys just kind of plotting, plotting out where this is, where, where this game's going to go. Hmm. And, you know, it was, I, I tried to stack the bottom of the lineup because it was, that's what I thought was going to happen. Wind up winning the game because of it. So I'm seeing this happen today. I'm sitting here watching it. I'm like, everybody's getting mad. I just did the same thing and won a ball game doing that. So, you know, moment of honesty here, I've done this before. Yeah. And I've seen it pay off just because I had a feeling as I'm sitting in the dugout, like, all right. Yeah, it's a gut feeling. Yeah, yeah it's a gut it's feeling. A, and it, sometimes they work, sometimes the, they don't. The, yeah, there's no, there's no way to quantify them. You, no, <laughs> you, you can't, can't do that. Yeah. You can't. So, <laughs> you know, maybe Tony was sitting there having I, premonitions of like, we might be in a big spot in the seventh or eighth inning and we're going to be on our last three guys. Maybe Tony was listening to us sit here and go, the bottom of your order can't be, you know, because Steve said it yesterday. I hope Tony's listening. Maybe he didn't listen to Steve. Maybe he listened to that segment where we talked about, you know, the bottom of the order can't have a bunch of automatic outs. Well, I'm going to go fucking put Andrew Vaughn right there. Who the hell knows? I don't know. I, I have no rhyme or reason oh. for why he did what he did, but that's my thoughts. Adam Engel would have been my choice. I'll leave it at that. That would be mine.
if you want if you want that second leadoff hitter and i don't i don't subscribe to that but that's okay that's that's different thoughts i'm glad we glad we talked it out got both sides out here so um tony other things from this uh, i do like to see 10 hits total too i like getting up in the double digits there and it's basically everybody in this lineup had a hit um minus yohan mancada and uh andrew vaughn then uh in the nine hole i know he did have that sack fly though so it wasn't a totally unproductive night for mr vaughn i I just like seeing that hopefully like i said hitting contagious want to see it get going up and down throughout the lineup let's see that in a little more power form though that's what i'm looking for as we uh look ahead to a double header tomorrow absolutely and tomorrow's going to be a real test and i i hope that we're talking you know double victory beers on the show tomorrow we need, we need, we need more. We need yeah, we more, need, Johnny. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we do need more. Uh, we will, uh, me and Steve will have that uh, post game coming out uh, tomorrow night after game two. Uh, but let's set the stage, Tony, because we know for sure game one, it is going to be Dylan Cease uh, for our White Sox on the mound. Game two, still up in the air. Um, I know Lucas Giolito seems like he's close because La Russa did say before the game today when they had uh, um, purchased the contract of Johnny Cueto, because you got to remember he was on a minor league deal, so they had to do that sent Danny Mendick down to clear that space, but uh, obviously they do get an extra spot for game two of a double header. Uh, Lucas Giolito is on the COVID related IL right now, but the projection here was that possibly tomorrow or Wednesday uh, is the return timeline. So there were some rumors about a potential minor league call up uh, for starting that game too, but I did not, I think I saw those retracted a little bit. Uh, You have any further insight into what we might get game two? You know, Johnny, I'm really not sure at this point in time to to be completely honest with you. Um, I, I I don't know. I really do not know what is going to happen with this. Uh, obviously, Cueto comes up and and buys you this start here, which is is absolutely impactful in the grand scheme of things. One would hope that, that Lucas Giolito is is ready to go. Um, yeah, a lot of this is going to depend on how how you want to stack this rotation and set this rotation up for another big matchup with the New York Yankees that comes at the end of this series. So um, it'll it'll be really interesting. You know, it, we talked a lot about it yesterday. Um, how do you, how do you line this up? And and man, it, that just begs the question because I'm sitting here during this ball game, Johnny. I'm sitting here going. So Cueto, you would assume, is getting the ball on Friday, correct? That would be his uh, depend- normal rest on yeah, Saturday. I, they, no, they did say they wanted Kopech to get the extra day of rest. So Saturday okay. for Kopech is what we know for the placement there. So then the so that would that would then mean that you're getting Cueto on either Friday or Sunday? Most likely, yes. Yeah, so that's yes. going to be interesting because it, it, this doubleheader in here throws a real wrench in things. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see. I just uh, d- did a little double check uh, back through uh, the beat reporters. No no word yet um, on tomorrow's starter. So that'll be Quato on Sunday because you're going to have Giolito going in here. You're gonna, hopefully assuming, uh, yeah. assuming uh, Dallas Keuchel's got to line it into this as well. So it's at the yeah, Vinny Velo. I mean, do you pitch somebody on short rest tomorrow? That's that's a huge question. Yeah, I don't know. It, it will, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and obviously, uh, minor league call-ups always in the works. We know that uh, there's probably a possibility of Jimmy Lambert if there's no uh, Luca, no further word on Lucas Giolito yet. So, And they're depending if it would be Wednesday that they're targeting for him, whatever it may be. So uh, stay tuned to the Sox on Tap Twitter account. 
um, we'll, we'll keep you posted as those updates roll through. But what we do know for sure is cease the day. Uh, obviously, a little bit of a tough go of it. Um, a weird outing in his last time out, granted against a much, much more potent lineup um, in the New York Yankees. But 11 strikeouts, but still, um, you know, giving up some long balls, getting touched up uh, on some hard hit balls that uh, – it's kind of uncharacteristic for him. So I think uh, at least game one, Tony, building off of this momentum from last night, obviously we had a very nice start with uh, Johnny Cueto. I think Dylan Cease elevates that to an even another level tomorrow in the afternoon game. I would hope so. And what you want to see from Dylan Cease is, you know, maybe, maybe it's going to be a little bit easier for him. But I don't want to see that pitch count get elevated. Maybe take a little bit of a note out of uh, the the Johnny Cueto performance tonight. Try and get yourself into a position where you're not just trying to rely on the strikeout to get outs. That's something that, you know, obviously you want your pitcher to have the ability to do so. Strikeouts are cool and tough. I love strikeouts. But you're going to need a couple of one, two, three innings, you know, under seven pitches. Try and extend some life. Uh, into the bullpen, especially for game two, you, you talk about, we talk about setting the tone all the time, a real set the tone move for me, Johnny is Dylan Cease throwing seven innings of baseball tomorrow. Yeah, that would be very nice. I agree. I want the length from it, Tony, but I think I got a theory on Dylan Cease. It's kind of hard for him sometimes, especially when you face a weaker lineup, like a Kansas city Royals uh, team that just fired their hitting coach. That tells you how things are going offensively for them. Um, it's kind of hard because the stuff moves so much, especially when you're talking breaking ball. So when you're trying to induce that, like weak contact, for just a ground ball or whatever it may be, it moves too much to where they just fan on it. So then it ends up resulting in more pitches. He's got to throw another one, and then they miss that one, and then it's okay before you know it. We're getting here with you know a strikeout at the end of it instead of yeah, and that's fair. However, however the outs come, <laughs> that's but, my theory. You know, yes, yes. However the outs come, uh, I'll take them. But I just I want to see him go deep in this ball game, especially given the circumstances right now. You've got question marks in game two on your starter. Game one is, in my opinion, the, the most important game that you're going to play tomorrow. You want to go out there and win that ball game, have Casey on their heels. The pressure is all on them then to come back and, and respond. I mean, the, the interesting thing is is going to be how Tony La Russa manages the lineups. We we know that you're going to see, um, you know, some rest for some guys yeah, probably uh, throughout this. Would yeah, imagine probably. some Reese McGuire behind the plate to start tomorrow. Yeah, I would uh, imagine that Reese gets the start in game one, and Yaz is probably not in that lineup. Um, and then catching in game two in that lineup. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. I just want you to go out. I want the boys to go out and, and set the tone, win the first game, and get starts with Dylan Cease. You know, maybe seven eighths a lot, but you have to get through six if you're seats. No trouble, no, no big inning. Um, this is not the New York Yankees lineup that you just faced. He should be able to carve them up a little bit. And uh, there's still going to be the fair share of strikeouts. If I'm a betting man, I'm still, you know, going on there and probably taking the over on the strikeouts. I'm not sure what those lines look like right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, some ground balls, flyouts early on in counts would be really appreciated, uh, you know, from, from the Kansas city folk tomorrow. Yeah. It would do uh, some nice uh, wonders for his uh, pitch count and uh, length possibility. So Tony, pick the click. Who's helping us get it done. We'll only do game one here because uh, game two could uh, result in possible wonkiness once again in the lineup. So let's yeah, just go maybe, game, game one. Game maybe one we'll, we'll tweet out uh, our picks to click for game two uh, after we do a little uh, meeting of the minds after, after game one. But 
Uh, Johnny picked a click in game one tomorrow. I like what I saw from Jose Abreu today. You know, you talked about some of these walks earlier, uh, getting hit. Uh, I want him to leave the yard. So, uh, I'm going Jose MVP shift time. Let's go. All right. I like it. Yeah. Like I said, step in the right direction today. So I like that. Um, as I'm thinking about tomorrow's game, um, I will go with Mr. Tim Anderson. He will be in the leadoff hole. Let's uh, hashtag set the tone. I know Steve went with him tonight. Still had a couple hits uh, tonight. So uh, let's build on that further. But another thing, too, talk about other guys leaving the yard. Well, we got one from Yaz. See, uh, Timmy, it's been a little bit for him. And it's obviously been, um, you know, a while, a while for Jose. Yeah, it's time. It's time to ride, Johnny. Yeah, time to ride. Tony, final thought, and then let's get out of here. Go take two tomorrow. 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 Speak it into existence. That's the frequency I'm on right now, Johnny. We need more wins. We need more victory beers. We need to see the boys continue to find ways to overcome uh, these spots like they did tonight when Luis Robert comes back, battles for you. Uh, There should be a lot of momentum. These guys should be really happy with the game they played today. Let's hope that carries over in tomorrow. Big day. get your rest and go take two, go take two, go take two tomorrow. White Sox, let's go. Real short and simple. I'd said, I want all five. The only way to get to all five, let's win two tomorrow. Tony, that's it. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.